Hi, I'm Mark Stevenson and this is an interview with Sarah Shulman. You can listen to me talk a lot about myself and the problems I feel with comedy. <laughs> um, it'd be a lot of fun. Uh, follow me at Mark Stevenson. It's my name with a G on the end. Um, I rarely update, but you can still follow me. Uh, why not? So, Mark, how did you get into comedy? Basically, I was uh, unemployed and I was quite... Um, I've always wanted to write always wanted to write sitcoms that was the kind of main thing that I wanted to do and really I'd written sitcoms but it didn't really make any difference so I thought you literally have to start comedy to do it have to do stand-up so it wasn't like I didn't get a bug from anywhere I was kind of forced into doing it I feel and then I kind of I did a, one of the courses um just because I would never have been able to stand up otherwise because I'm not really what you'd say is like a, I'm not a natural like uh performer or bon vivant or anything <laughs> but um yeah no I kind of uh I basically into, I've always really liked comedy and then stand-up became a means to an end or was a means to an end at the start and then I just realized that it was a lot easier than I thought it would be and I just kept doing it I think from there and what course did you do uh, it was called the Comedy School, I believe. I think it was the... Yeah, it was called the Comedy School. <laughs> I know it was. Um, yeah, it was just in... It was the one that was nearest my girlfriend's house. I didn't really... I didn't really know. I, I, it was right near my girlfriend's house, so I decided to do it there. <laughs> and did you find that that helped you and still helps you now? I don't know. It was such a long time ago. Really, I think it was just the process of standing up is what like you know of, of of like standing up and performing and it was useful but i think all you can learn from something like that is like the tropes of stand up like what other people are doing and really if you carry on like that for too long you don't really do anything that interesting so i think i did learn bits but it's not so like um denigrate the course or whatever i think it's just the nature of all stand-up courses you get like three uh three times you stand up before you actually uh do a performance or something like that so you can only really teach someone so much and realistically like humor is a very personal thing isn't it so if you are just following like the tropes of stand-up then why well, don't know i think it's a bit awful thing to do <laughs> really and what was your first gig like uh, the very first gig, which was at like the showcase, went well, but the you know the expectations were incredibly <laughs> low, so that might have been why. The second gig was that I did was at the now defunct Lions Den in Kings Cross, um, and that was absolutely awful. Like I was, I couldn't remember what I was saying at all. To a point where I was trying to, I couldn't think of the word Croydon. Uh, and so people started shouting out stuff about Croydon to remind me. And I think it was just because everyone, everyone there is like actually um, looking for anything fun to happen because it's just comedians standing up in front of other comedians. So I think they kind of leapt on that as like a bit of fun. And I felt, I felt really, I didn't do it for like a month after that because I was like, I can't take that again but it was the worst gig of my life it's it's good to happen second because it would never be as bad as that i literally forgot everything and it was it, it was awful it was absolutely awful <laughs> but um 
but no, I think you have to go through that. I think the lucky thing is that if you if you're doing comedy, unless something really really badly goes wrong, you're pretty much all the time have your worst gig in the first ten. So after that, if you can get through that, then you're pretty much, you know, it's, it's a good toughening up process. I think as long as too many awful gigs don't come after that. And you were saying that you didn't gig for a month after your second gig. So how often did you start gigging after you recovered from that gig? I think it was just whenever I could. I didn't really, I didn't really know where to gig. It was quite. Um, there was like something on Facebook where someone had listed out every single gig. Johnny Armstrong, I'm pretty sure it was actually. So I kind of went through them, and it was just whenever they would give me a gig. And then I, so I did it as often as I could. But I think at that stage, when you first start, they're so backed up those places. Like so many people want to do comedy nowadays. I don't think it was as much as I could, but I, I I did try and do it like two or three times a week um, at least. But it really, I don't know. I mean, it must have been at least once a week for about a year, maybe more. I'm not sure. But yeah, yeah I mean, there's no getting away from that process, really. You have to just do it as often as possible. Not that it's, it's I mean, it's, it's, I kind of miss it in a way because it's a, so much more of a visceral experience, like, going up there with nothing with literally nothing to fall back on no experience or anything and just seeing if jokes are funny or not I do miss that a little bit but equally it is it is appalling like level of comedy you tend to surround yourself with and do (laughs) I'm not sure I could actually take going back to it if I'm honest and your style involves a lot of dry and at times slightly whimsical observations and it converge on philosophical as well. So have you always performed in that style? Yeah, I think so. Basically, I talk, I, I, I talk like this all the time. <laughs> so I had to develop something that would help me when I was nervous. So I've kind of, I, I do kind of speak in a, in a slower style. I can't really do... I can't really be that person. It's the only thing that suits me. So, yeah, I mean, I, I learned quite early that it wasn't bad to be dry, but I think probably at the start, whatever you're doing, you push it to an extreme. And I think like just being dry is a bit boring. So now I just try and talk as much as myself as possible because that's the easiest way to like communicate whatever you're trying to say. But I didn't really have a... I don't think I really had a choice about being dry or not because I d- never sound enthusiastic or look enthusiastic about things. So you might as well just kind of play up to that rather than try and convince someone you're... If, you try and convi- if I try and convince someone I'm having fun, it is the re- is mo- most awkward uh, thing you can put anyone through, I think, <laughs> looking at me pretending to have fun. <laughs> Apart from when you do the smile. Well, that's, that's what came from that as well, yeah. Like... Uh, just smiling at people because I do have very um, deep set or but very low brow and um, very kind of sad looking eyes Um, so if I do yeah if I smile or sometimes when I laugh I think it looks I look like like a maniac Um, it doesn't really suit me but it's nice to kind of have that like thing to play off that um, because I'm not actually an unhappy person or a depressed person but you kind of have to Although I suppose I am, I think I probably am a little bit, um, not not miserable, I wouldn't say miserable at all, but um, I'm very critical of things, so it kind of suits me anyway. Down deep. 
I think so, but I'm actually, I don't know. I always think of myself, I'm actually quite an, uh, a f- like an upbeat and fun person, but it just never, it never gets communicated. Like there's a lot of people in comedy who people think are fun, but aren't at all. And are actually got quite depressing views. Whereas I'm quite, I, I believe I'm quite optimistic, but I just also think there's a lot wrong with the world. Like a, and a lot wrong with um, comedy <laughs> as well. So I suppose I appear. I, I think I appear a lot, um, a lot harsher and more downbeat than I mean to. But equally, I don't do anything to try and convince people that I'm not. So it's one of these things, isn't it? I think. Do you have a specific process that you go about when you write your material? I find it easiest just to sit. Although I don't really like pret manger or Costa or anything like that, I find the only way I can do it is to sit in a really like ordinary place where you can sit and be left alone for about two hours or three hours and you and just to write everything down like everything you've been thinking of down and then try and work out jokes from that because i think if you if you you're like everyday process of thought is usually reasonably amusing to yourself and then you kind of have to work out how it's funny but i don't I, I don't feel like there's any other way of doing it apart from writing everything down and then hoping the creative process comes from there. So I don't know. I mean, it's, I suppose it is a process, really. It just takes a lot of time. I've, I'm a very slow writer, I think, really. I, like some people can just have an idea and think that's good enough. But I'm not sure, I'm not sure if it does me any favours, but I tend to like try and think of what's actually funny about something for a very long time so like one idea will basically take me like a week to write I think even though the quality of it is improving incredibly marginally every every like half an hour I'm spending on it eventually it gets to a place where I'm not embarrassed to say it out loud yeah that's my process you were saying that one of the main reasons why you went into comedy is because you wanted to write sitcom so is the process that you go about in writing stand-up similar to how you would approach writing a sitcom? Um, well, I think now I've kind of um, started to look at the writing again uh, a bit more seriously and take uh, and try and develop things. And I think that's feeding into what I've decided I want to do more with stand-up. Because I think it is similar. It's similar in some ideas, but I think um, really in anything you're anything I want to write like in terms of sitcom or whatever it would be the idea of the narrative and character development is so much more important than just being funny I think that I think now when I'm going to apply that to stand-up I've got to think about things become ringing true and things to be more dramatic yeah I think I think it is similar in a sense but really Anything that I find interesting or funny that's on television or if you watch something performed that has a narrative structure, the actual narrative and character is far more important than whether it's funny or not. A lot of American films, like uh, if you take Woody Allen films, if you took like Annie Hall and you took those jokes out, then it would still be an amazing film. But if you just kind of had like Woody Allen's jokes put into an ordinary film it wouldn't be anything would it it wouldn't be it wouldn't be funny at all really um so i think that that kind of humor 
is what interests me the most, where things have played out in real situations where you feel like you know someone. Because nothing's really... I think the problem with stand-up comedy that I have is that I still don't think... I have a little bit of a problem with people that go to stand-up comedy nights because they're going to laugh. And I understand that the actual nub of that is quite weird because you should have you should find your f- friends funnier than you find anyone on stage you should find like your life funnier than anyone you're seeing on stage so i think really what i've thought now is that i want things to have like that kind of narrative structure and that character development like in all performance because then you're showing something better rather than just being on stage saying i'm funny because if you really don't have any friends you find funnier than the average comedian you see, then you probably need to like make new friends and but get that kind of that kind of life, you know, like you should find your life funnier than you find things on stage. You've got to add an extra element. I don't know if that that makes sense. I'm, I've talked around in circles a little bit, but yeah, I mean, not, that's not to slag off everyone that goes to comedy nights. <laughs> but yeah, I do. I, I, I don't know. I think that's a that, that's an inherent problem in stand-up and in, in the kind of most ordinary stand-up. It's not, I'm not talking about like things like what Tim Key would do or Simon Munnery or someone where you go and you're not seeing someone just say what they think is funny. They've constructed it through a character or constructed it through ideas. That's the much more interesting side of comedy, I think, rather than just standing up and literally saying an anecdote that happened to you verbatim and then people laughing at that. I think that's... Like I, not that I ever did that before, really, but I think the important thing is you've got to add a, a huge element of, of like, cre- like the creative process to it. You've got to bring, you've got to do something a lot more than just tell people stuff that's funny. I think. Obviously, when you perform an hour, you have a lot more of an opportunity to take an audience on a journey with you and develop that narrative and character construction throughout the show so what do you want your audiences to take away when they go and see you either at the end of doing an hour show for example one that you would do in edinburgh or even when you're just on a bill in a comedy club um i think i think when you're doing an hour show you do have a lot more opportunity to to make them take you know, to give them something to think about. I think when you're on a a club, usually I I want people to think when they see me that they wouldn't have seen someone else do that. Like, either not in a completely show-off way, but I I wanted it to be as individual as possible. Like, this is these are my ideas, this is my thoughts, and that's what I'm doing. I don't really want to lift from anyone or um, appear like anyone else. So I suppose... Um, in a club set or when you're doing like 10 minutes or 15 minutes, it's very difficult to transfer that many ideas onto anyone. But I think my show in Edinburgh this year, uh, last year, sorry, um, my main idea was to try and, um, was to try and show people that, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think one of the major problems, not the major problem, but what I wish I'd done a lot better in my Edinburgh show last year is to have that structural idea first rather than trying to apply that afterwards. So I think really what I want it to be is a thing about how, you know, love like um, from your family and and from 
your girlfriend and or your boyfriend or whatever but you know like that kind of like genuine love is more important than everything else but I don't think I did that because I also had to because I was doing my first hour and I didn't really know how to do an hour I had to put in other stuff like a lot of other stuff to kind of keep it going and out of fear and not knowing how to do it but I think from an hour you should really have like a construct of what you're of what you're trying to say but I, I do I think the main thing from an egotistical point of view I think the main thing I want is for people to go away and think I'm good and to think that you know that it's not copying anyone really but that's not enough is it really <laughs> to build a career on hoping you're good and not stealing from people um but yeah no i think i think I, I really the true the best comedy and the truest comedy doesn't it comes from something much more than just that being funny you know like i want i quite like to make things much more emotional or much creepier or much like drag out all the other emotions like when you see like a good example is Johnny Vegas, where you'd laugh a lot, but then you have like ma you you would have massive sympathy for him at certain points and be disgusted by him at others and this kind of. Thing. I think that kind of what you really want to do, ideally, is to have people come away with like many emotions, like a, you know, like he tease them the entire way and and have things that are sad in it and have things that are weird in it and have things that are just funny in it and and whimsical and and all of that but yeah i think as long as it's more than just he was all right usually that's what i'm going for really i think and last year you performed your debut hour which was called half man half amazing and the year before that you performed someone somewhere and both the shows were on the free fringe so what's been your experience of the edinburgh festival so far um i think it's i think it's incredible really I think it's probably the best thing that happens in comedy. Really, it's it gives anyone a chance. It gives everyone an equal platform to a large degree, apart from the massive uh, promotional campaigns, which you don't really get on the free fringe anyway. And the pointless thing about the promotional campaigns is that they're so... The marketing for all those shows is so omnipresent everywhere that it cancels out all marketing <laughs> at all because it, literally everyone's got equal space. Um, so I think I, I think that's one of the things I find absurdly funny about Edinburgh actually that people spend about you know a couple of thousand pounds on marketing but don't really understand the point of marketing is to have more marketing than other people but when you've all got an absolutely equal share of marketing it's like applying a communist theory to a very capitalist <laughs> idea and it doesn't it doesn't have any effect I don't think <laughs> but um, I, I, I love the kind of universe you know the the fairness of it really because i i think really you're judged every day on a show that you do and sometimes that show is very good and sometimes it isn't and it's a very good process to learn really because every time like every edinburgh that i've done i've had at least you know three or four like two out of ten shows that go really badly and then last year i had a really good run of about eight shows that was going really really well and then it just kind of like towards the end I just I don't know why it slipped a bit but it that's annoyed me to this 
day that it kind of slipped and it ended like that but really that's the kind of professionalism you need to learn as well i mean writing the show and performing the show you can be in any situation as a comic and do really well and do and like feel like you finally found yourself and found your voice and all this kind of stuff that people talk about but what you learn from edinburgh is from having to do it over and over and over again the ability needed and the concentration needed to make it good all the time really marks you out from what is a truly professional great good comedian and just someone who's kind of pretending to be a comedian and you should still always strive for that i think even people that far too many people think of themselves as a comedian first and think of themselves as like a professional comedian when they really aren't like you have to be very 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 good to really consider yourself a comedian otherwise i think you're just I don't know. Anyone can make money from comedy now. It's not. It's not a sign of being good at all. Like there's so much desire for comedy, but at Edinburgh, I do think with the audiences being reasonably um, well informed, uh, not all the critics, but the level of criticism that you get, like usually in comedy. Uh, I mean, everyone knows Steve uh, at Chortle and Ben at Time Out, but there's not like there. There isn't a huge amount of criticism like there is for music or film you know you don't have like scores and scores of people writing everything about comedy um but in edinburgh you do get that to some degree so i think that critical response and the fact that you know what audiences are responding to actually makes comedy feel like for three weeks a year like it's an important thing <laughs> like be because I think if you if you were in music or you were an actor or you were in theatre, you, you do have that. There is that, that structure the entire time. But comedy really kind of just ambles on, doesn't it? And um, I mean, you'd know from like um, from the work you'd, you do that when you're in Edinburgh, there's a lot of people that have no idea what they're talking about who are, who are reviewing shows and like absolutely no idea or, or no experience or whatever. But it's kind of better than than it just being a few people at least it's at least there's people caring about and thinking about it and trying to decide what is good comedy and what is bad comedy because if you just go off what's the what's on the tv then it even people that say they like comedy take most of what they think from from the tv and that's very limited idea of what is good in comedy it's very um so i think i, I, th I think edinburgh is incredible. I, w I basically I wish that comedy could always be like what it is in Edinburgh, really. Uh, but it isn't, obviously. And you were talking about how difficult it is for shows to market themselves because everybody has an equal platform within the festival. So, do you have any advice for people who are taking a show up uh, to Edinburgh, particularly on the Free Fringe, and thinking about ways that they can market and promote their show? not really i didn't i completely struggled for two years to get an audience and then i got a nice like recommendation last year from uh the sunday times and time out and that tends to help <laughs> so basically get recommended by a very well like a widely read publication um i i'm not very good at, at um drumming up interest in the show <laughs> i was but I think if you get a good location, I think really what you need to do is um, 
people say if you've got a good show, people end up hearing about it, which is too true to a degree. But I think there should also be some level of acceptance. And as well, just having audience in is not always what you want. You don't really want to get reluctant people in and force them into your show because it won't make it any better. And realistically, on the free fringe and most of the fringe, you're not make, you're not talking about loads and loads and loads of money. You should probably kind of try and find an audience that's right for you and then play to that and then see what comes out. No one's going to uh, become a millionaire from being on the fringe. So you, I think people probably need to relax a little bit about it, really. Um, oh, and have a, but have a good poster because one year I designed a poster myself and it was terrible, and I think that really affected everything because <laughs> it was unclear as to what we were doing. It was unclear that we were even doing comedy. Um, <laughs> yeah, so a good poster and then relax and then relax. I'd say you perform a lot with weirdos comedy, and the style when you would perform in a weirdo show is quite different to what you would do uh, when you perform stand up. So. Do you have a preferable medium of performance with your comedy? Uh, yeah, I think I do enjoy stand-up a lot, but I do find it quite limiting. I think the, the good thing about doing as much as possible and, like, you know, like making videos and doing stand-up and working, like, in collaboration is that it offers you as as, as many avenues as possible because I, I, I feel quite... I feel like people can be quite restricted by stand-up because you need to find a voice and you need to be reasonably consistent on it. But if you c collaborate with people or act in other people's stuff or make stuff on yourself, that all of that kind of goes away. You don't have that pressure to perform as like, your persona, really. So I, think the, the, I mean, the great thing about Weirdos is that it's largely run by Adam. Adam Lata has pretty much... Uh, you know, say 80% creative control over it. And his style is incredibly different to mine. And he's an incredibly different comic. But it makes it a lot more fun, I think. It's just a lot more fun to kind of, you know, just chip in ideas and and kind of be led by someone else, you know, rather than um, rather than just everything being on your shoulders all the time. So, I mean, the weirdo stuff it, it is very, very different to what I do in stand-up. But... I think the weirdo stuff is pretty much very different to what everyone does, apart from Adam. <laughs> it's very, very fun to do, and it, and it, and it's really good because what what Adam does and what what weirdos is about, I think, is just getting as many people that he likes as possible and as many people that are as good as possible to follow his basic idea, and then something will come out of it from that. And that is a really, really interesting process to work with um, a lot of people you're friends with, a lot of people you respect and stuff like that. And just to be given like an idea and then you work through it with him and then something comes out of it. And when it's good, it feels it, it feels amazing. And as well, like comedy, doing stand-up on your own is an intensely private experience because every time you fail you can't really share it with anyone and every time you succeed you don't really want to share it with other people because you feel like you're sh you're either showing off or you're burdening people to some degree but when you when you actually do something and it's you're as important as the next person and that kind of thing and it goes well it's so much it's such a better feeling i think to to have shared it with everyone so um 
my preferred medium is collaboration really but i think when you look at what you want to do you've got to have some ownership from it so that's where stand-up comes in like if you're just doing that the entire time and you're having that shared thing then really you wouldn't be creating that much on your own so i think what's important is to have a balance between the two i don't really like one more than the other i probably get more satisfaction out of stand-up but more enjoyment out of out of doing like collaboration i think and you were saying earlier that you somewhat question people that go to see stand-up and find it odd that for anyone who doesn't find their friends funnier than they find the average comedian. So do you have a favourite type of audience that you prefer performing to? Yeah, I like... I, I suppose what I mean is I, I find it weird when people go because comedy is on. Not people that go because, like oh, I really like Mark Thomas or I really like Lee Evans or whoever. It's not about like um, like a personal taste of mine. I understand it when people go to see that, but when people just go to see comedy at Leicester Square on a Friday night, I find that very weird um, because it's something I'd never, ever, ever do. So I immediately feel like I have nothing in common with them, <laughs> which is why I don't really... I'm not very good at hiding things like that as well. I, re I really like it when an audience comes because they're they can give something a go really i think the alternative side of audiences is really interesting like i've only done it a few times but i always really enjoy doing chris coltrane's lolitics gig because you know those people are there i can work out why they're there because they're obviously like left wing and they want to hear a certain type of comedy so you kind of tailor it to that and you get why they're there and then it's fun because you're playing with like expectations. So I think my favorite type of audience is basically if I know why they've come rather than just they've got nothing else to do on a Friday night and no imagination. So they'll go to uh, comedy on a Friday. <laughs> so it doesn't really, yeah, it doesn't really matter. Or, or any audience in Edinburgh that, um, that comes to see me because I'm incredibly grateful that they're there. So a mixture of the two, I think. People that like me. <laughs> and and uh, have got a reason for being there. <laughs> and do you have a favourite type of venue that you prefer performing in? Yeah, I think um, I like anywhere that's about 70, I think. my r The room I did in Edinburgh last year was about 50. I think 60 of it was really full. And I think between there and 100 is the most enjoyable. I've done like bigger venues and when it goes well, it's a real, it's a real like um, adrenaline rush. But equally, I don't feel like you've got as much control in it. I think about 60 or 70 people, so it feel, so you're aware that something's happening. It's not just like um, you don't feel a bit low that no one's come. <laughs> but, and some of that's kind of confined as well. As long as the sound is good and you've got about 60 to 70 people in there, I think that's the best because really what you want is an audience, but you don't want it to get beyond that thing where you're just talking to someone like you're you know you don't I, I think anything above that becomes a bit too much of a performance and and less of like less of what's really enjoyable and interesting about stand-up but there's no real future to paying to 60 people is there so so uh hopefully one day i would really enjoy playing to much many many more people but. and do you have any tips or advice for aspiring comedians I think a lot of people who do comedy should probably give up because they're taking up a lot of room. Um, 
if I, if I, but I think I think really what all aspiring comedians should do if I was running like my own if, if I had some sort of form of influence would be um, I just like people to do what they wanted to do a lot more I think when I look back I've been doing comedy for probably n- near enough five years if not five years now and the first two or three years was very kind of like based on competition because that's all you've got and there's so many so many people doing it that's a one one way of getting to s- stand out but at the start that was a really useful thing but after a while it became like about having a type five about people overly overly professionalize themselves far too early really i think what people should do is just do what they think is funny because if you do stuff that's wrong or do stuff that goes really badly and you get through that and then you come up with something you're going to come up with something that's much more interesting and you'll be a lot more open to experimentation i think people try and professionalize themselves because they think comedy can happen really quickly but whereas you could become a professional comedian reasonably quickly nowadays i don't think you can become an actually good comedian without taking a, a lot more risk than people do and as well it's not that embarrassing failing because every single comedian even if you're playing like if your dream is to play the comedy store right and you do it after 18 months and you do it and there's all these professionals that die if they don't give you sympathy for dying it's probably because they don't care not because they're embarrassed for you every single person on the stand-up scene has died terribly and the best comedians are the ones that have died the worst because they're the ones that have taken the risks um personally i've died a lot of times (laughs) but like i do feel like you should have a pride in dying sometimes because it means that you can never die if you're if it's really obvious what you're doing you'll always be able to get away if you're like just doing gags or you're just doing observational stuff it's hard to die that badly but i did it i remember doing a preview in front of people that i didn't know at all and i was trying to explain ideas and i had little jokes in there and stuff and it went so badly that like i was so bored but I think that's because I was at the start of a process of trying to do something interesting. So I think if you if you if you start out, you should just you should just try and be as interesting as possible and not and really really seriously not worry about you know being professional because that I think that type of comedy is what's going to end up ruining it for everyone because um, it's so bland. And you mentioned that you entered a lot of competitions. What was your experience when you first started out entering all these different comedy competitions? I think by and large, like the people that run them treat you as well as possible. But um, automatically you get this idea that if you win it or if you do well, or if you get to the final, then that's what's going to like push you up and um, make this massive difference. But I mean, that rarely happens even to winners, I, I think. But I think my experience at the beginning, I found it hard to um because the first year I didn't progress very far and there's a lot of people that weren't necessarily very good that would get put through because they were obviously slicker um so that but then the second year when I started doing well it, it gave me it did actually give me a lot of confidence really because I don't know I mean I think being put in a competitive uh a competitive scenario just comes down to if you win or if you get through, or if you place, or whatever, it is validation that you're good. If you don't win, 
people don't place then it it feels like you're not good <laughs> so um i probably don't think that that necessarily that great an idea but i do think the people that run them um all, my, all, all the experiences i've had of anyone that's run them have treated people as well as they can but i fundamentally probably don't really agree with them i think but at the time when um at the time when i was doing them and they had a big effect on my career i can't really say that i don't know it's a bit hypocritical isn't it because i didn't i did them <laughs> i did them and i and i enjoyed them and i and i and you know i still put them on still get quoted on them and put them on posters when they're relevant <laughs> like but um but maybe we shouldn't they shouldn't be, be around i don't know would you say that it's more important then if you're entering a competition to have a competition set rather than just doing the set that you would perform on the circuit oh if you want to win yeah if you if you want to get through which is the only reason you, you're really there isn't it um then yeah i think having the way to do it, in in my experience, is to not try and put all your best jokes into five minutes. Is to write a five minute sh- set and basically talk about one thing for five minutes, or have some sense of where you're going, um, because otherwise, it does look it it, it doesn't really stand out. Um, if you wanted, to, yeah, if you wanted to do it, then you kind of have to write a set for competitions, and then do that, and then hone that and practice that. Really, I think that's the only way of, of of doing that well, and unless you're just really, really, really good, then that that will help as well. <laughs> and you studied anthropology at Sussex University, so do you have any tips or advice for students? Well, academically, I didn't really understand. I still feel like I never really fully understood what anthropology was after studying it for three years. But at university, I just, I, I if you're interested in comedy and you're at university then you should do it when you're I, one of the stupidest things i ever did was wait until i left university and then i waited another year to start doing comedy whatever you, whatever you want to do then you should be using that time to do it because it's not that much work if you want to do stand-up then you should be doing that or if you want to write stuff then you should be writing um and not necessarily submitting stuff but you will never have this much free time again so it, it, it's a really important part of any creative process i think to probably have that time where you're practicing on your own and you're developing something you know in your in your own time without pressure so if anyone at um you know university did want to do comedy i'd find i'd I'd massively recommend that they start looking into doing it now because it'd be a lot lot harder you know when you come out and have to get a job and stuff like that and general student advice Oh, um, I just uh, the I had so much fun at uni. I didn't. I just go out as much as possible, and get as fucked up as possible. <laughs> to a, to to. No, I just say that. Yeah, as much as you think you should, um, because that's the best bit about uh, university. But yeah, do that, and then uh, also, I don't know academically. Um, at university I did fine um, and I probably could have done better but I feel like if I'd done better it wouldn't have made any difference <laughs> so um, that's, uh, maybe don't try try hard but um, not ridiculously hard 
it's the best time it is the university life is the best time should, should be the best time you ever have really um because yeah i mean you've got complete freedom and you're hanging around with friends it's like the best bits of being at school and being an adult it all comes together for about three years and it should happen when you're much older and you can really appreciate that but it's uh but i just i'm very envious of anyone who's still at university i think 